ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Amy. Robin Page, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, sir? I am doing well. How are you doing? I am doing great. Hey, thank you so much for uh, getting off the river early today and coming and talking with us. I really appreciate that. Yes, everybody's going to know because you're on vacation and and you yeah. were playing today while the rest of us were working. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for that. I bet you don't. <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean... I, I, we don't get many vacations around here, but uh, it, it, it is fun when you get to take a day away. Absolutely. We, uh, this is one of our, we didn't go nowhere this week. So we're just kind of staying around the house and doing some things and just hanging out with the kids. Well, that's pretty awesome. And, and you said you guys were kayaking? Yes. Yes. Um, I've got two teenage daughters, uh, one 16, one 18. Oh boy. So there's always a little boy that's following them around, you know, um, that takes some getting used to, but I learned to deal with it, I guess. Well, I have a, uh, 31 year old daughter with three grandchildren and, uh, her husband's name is Jason and, and I love him like a son, but yeah, there's, there's days, you know, that's still, that's still daddy's little girl. Um, Absolutely. I, I have two other daughters that aren't, aren't married. One's 26 and one's 23. One's 27 and one's 23. And mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> at the end of the day, you just want them to be happy. You want them to be healthy and happy. And uh, I had that conversation with my youngest one today. And um, that's the only thing I want you know, is for them to be healthy and happy. Exactly. And, and if that young man isn't treating you right, I will take care of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love the meme. I'm a grumpy old man with the shovel and an alibi. Yeah. <laughs> and two gun safes full. <laughs> exactly. So just, 
you know, bring her home on time. Right. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Robin, all kidding aside, uh, thank you so much for taking some time today. I really appreciate it. What I really want to get into is I want to get into some old school cross country racing. Um, I know that you, it's been a while since you uh, spent some time playing in the mud with those boys, but uh, let's get it from your perspective. What was it like back in the, in the real days? Oh, it was, it, it was like a big family. Um, in those days, uh, there were several of us, I call us, we were kids then, um, from in our early 20s, um, myself, my brother, William Yokely, Billy Balance, his younger brother, BJ, uh, Greg Go, several guys right here in Southern Kentucky. Um, we hung out on the weekends and we would go riding on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, um, cut up, picked at each other. Uh, it's like a good family, you know. Um, we traveled. Of course, like I said, we were kids, but uh, we had some some of the best times of my life during those years. I can honestly say that. That's pretty awesome. What class did you mainly race in when you guys raced Balkans? Well, when I, of course, I, I started out, you know, beginner class. Um, that was back when I first started. and then. Worked my way up. I got to the, um, it was four-stroke mod, and then we went to the Pro-Am. I think it was pro-production, maybe class. It wasn't like the uh, front row was the second row. Uh, that was my last year racing was in the pro-production. Um, so you rode four-stroke pro-production, or was it pro-production, um, and it wasn't, they were still racing two-strokes back then? Or did, yes. yes, and uh, the last year I was racing, they had changed over, and I believe it was four strokes only. I'm, I'm not 100% sure because most of the 250Rs were, were going obsolete then, and most everybody was going to the new 450, um, the YFC, um, KFX, you know, the, the TRX 450R. But um, I had the 400EX uh, built by the best motor company in the world, Duncan Racing, you know. Um, well, thank you very much. That was, a, that was a really good setup that I had. Had the roll front end, had the um, axis. Uh, Mike Halleck was the builder of those shocks. Um, had the roll uh, swing arm, um, ITP. Tires and wheels, or Douglas wheels, tires were from ITP. Um, but it was it was probably, I was telling somebody the other day, I wished I still had that bike. I sold it like a big dummy, but uh, I wished I still had it. It was probably the best bike I ran. And how did you do in that class on that machine? I That year I ended up as runner-up. Um, it came down to the uh, the last race at Ironman, and uh, – Greg True and myself were battling it out. And it come down the last lap there. Some of my buddies from London, Kentucky, Jason Lewis, he always had this white helmet. It was a showy helmet. Looked like a cue ball. That's what we would call him. <laughs> and on the last lap, we were trucking through there. And I kept hearing somebody just right on me. And I was like, 
you know, I turned around, I seen this, I, th I thought it was Jason. So he was running a different class. So I whipped over and I was like, just waved him on because I didn't want to hold him up, you know. So I was probably getting tired. I, I don't know, but I pulled over. Well, come to find out it was Greg True. <laughs> he huh. was he was the one I was competing against in my class. I was trying to beat him. Anyhow, we let him, you know, he's got in front of me. We ran through and about a mile from finish line, cut through, caught him in a mud hole, passed him, started back up through there, and then I got behind some lappers, and he got back around me, and I, I'll always regret it, but it worked out the way it was, but I feel like I could have passed him right before the end, but I didn't try it because I, I didn't want to take a chance on crashing, wiping him out, and um, it's just one of those things that you always think, what if, <laughs> I guess. It's hard to make it a long time. Well, you know, on the other hand, you know, he should just be thankful that you didn't wreck him and you won the title, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. realistically, you had to make the better choice, the right choice for you at the time. And I wouldn't look bad at it. I would look at it as that you made sure that you didn't hurt your fellow competitor. Right. Yeah. And that, that you know, I, I take, I take pride in that too, because, you know, that we had some, we met some great people the years that we were racing and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the company. Um, I, I would, if I seen those guys today, I still consider them friends, even though I may not have seen them in 20 years, but um, there's some, some really good people. That's pretty awesome. That is really awesome. I hear good things about a lot of them. Had a few of them on the show. I'm still trying to track down a few others. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can understand. had a busy life, man. Everybody's so busy. Um, oh, yeah. You can take the time to reminisce about these things. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Correct me. I, I heard a bit of history, and I heard it. I didn't have any way. Well, I didn't research it on purpose because I wanted to talk about it. I heard that you and your brother were the only two brothers to win a GNCC. Mm. I, I never won the GNCC. I never won overall. Never got an overall race win? Mm. No, I got sixth overall. It was my best. I finished. I didn't get to um, – we might be the only two to win – like if he won the overall or won his class and I won my class, maybe on the same day. That's what uh, they were talking about. That that may be true there. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a competition between us. I don't know uh, if, if, if you're aware of it, and then some of the other guys may not be aware, but there's five of us boys. My mom and dad have five boys and uh, Oldest brother raced a motorcycle. That's been years ago. And the next one, he raced ATCs, three wheelers, you know. And uh, in 1987, he got he he had an accident and and lost his life. Um, but he raced the GNCCs back when they first started, like in 85, 86, you know, in that area on a 250R three wheeler. And that always kind of motivated us younger ones like Brad and myself and Kevin um, 
we we always wanted to do that. But at the time, you know, we were young and we didn't, uh, you know, we couldn't go out and ask our parents to, you know, we couldn't put them through that, you know, especially after burying a child. You know, it's it's hard enough as it is. But we look at it like he was doing what he wanted to do. And he was good at it. And he enjoyed it. Uh, it still hurts, you know, but uh, there's no doubt about that. But um, we followed in his footsteps and we, we took pride in that. I knew some portions of it, but I didn't know all of it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Sometimes you just don't want to pry. I, I understand. But I, I've, I've watched some of your videos and some, uh, you know, I listen to your podcast and stuff, and um, I feel like we can relate, you know, because you grew up in the ATV industry, and even when it was ATCs, yep. and I feel like from the first time I went to the local shop here, um, I fell in love with them, you know, and I, I enjoy them. <laughs> I, I can't imagine my life without them, to be honest with you, and, you know, I teased my dad. I said, see, dad, you did this to me in, in, in 69. <laughs> and he put me on the front of that three wheeler and we started driving it around the yard and, and he tipped it over upside down on that law on that telephone pole, you know, and my grandma's on the stairs freaking out and my mom's up there watching, you know, on the porch and, and, <clears throat> you know, right then I was hooked. Yeah. Just I'll takes that one time. I don't think I don't at four years old. I don't think I was ever going to do anything else. I mean, did I think I was going to make my living doing it? No, I, <laughs> I never envisioned that, but right. was I going to ride three wheelers and four wheelers my whole life? Yes. Mm-hmm. Still do still love it. And, and, you know, we get older and I have, which anybody that listens knows that I have some physical um, issues that I don't get to ride as much because I can't hold on. So right little short stints, doing a little testing here and there. It's fun stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Sucks getting old, don't it? Uh, I'm not old yet. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, but it's I, I, I may have white hair, but that's just yeah. a genetic defect in my young body, you know. Yeah, that, that's why I'm bald-headed, too. <laughs> <laughs> my God mind- made so many perfect heads. The rest of them have hair on them, you know. Right, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Hey, my dad says that his mind tells him that he can still go fast. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, my body may say that I'm old, but my mind still has a whole lot of kid in it. Hey. So, well, I, I told my wife, you know, you married a 50 something year old adolescent, right? <laughs> she gets it. She knows she has to, she has to listen to me talk about toys all the time. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Got my little man cave. I kind of, that's my go-to spot. Right. Everybody's got them. I I have multiple places I can go. I can go to Duncan racing and hang out. Um, I have a a, a garage where I build race bikes and uh, work on grandkid bikes. And then Mm -hmm. I can go into my dad's machining area uh, where he machines parts or there's a Trevor Trove, treasure trove of photos in the garage that you can stare at for hours. Yes. Yes. I, I got a photo album out uh, from my parents' house and started going through some old pictures 
a couple weeks ago, whenever you and I first text back and forth and talked and um, brought back a lot of memories, great memories. That's awesome. Let me ask, can I ask a personal question? Absolutely. Uh, Mom and dad, how did they deal with you guys as you got older racing? Uh, They looked at it like, you know, we're not out here, uh, pardon my language, we're not out here raising hell and acting like a bunch of hoodlums. You know, uh, we were teenagers, but we were motivated to go race. Um, that kept us out of trouble. That kept us from doing the stupid stuff that the normal teenagers got into. I'm not saying we didn't do anything ever stupid. Uh, we, had, <laughs> we were our, we were focused more on racing. Um, in in our spare time, we were riding, and between us brothers and uh, the Yokeleys and the balances, it was every weekend we would get together and we would ride for couple hours and we stopped and everybody would chit chat and laugh and cut up and pick at each other and talk about who crashed and who passed who. And then we'd take off again and go ride some more. And it was uh, just some good times. We all grew up together. That's, that's awesome. Unfortunately, you have to get older and have families and you don't get to stay as, as close to one another probably as you'd like to. Exactly. Yes. Um, I see uh, Billy, Billy Balance. I, I see him occasionally. He's got two daughters. It's close to my daughter's age and uh, see him at ball games and stuff like that. And uh, William Yokeley, I, I see him three, four days a week. Um, he's into everything, the medical field. And of course, I'm a UPS driver and he'll call me or text me and we'll meet up and I'll give him packages and pick up packages and back and forth, but, uh, William and I will, we'll be friends. So I take my last breath. You know, I thank a lot of him and his family. I just actually spoke to him on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. Oh, uh, I, I can't believe the transition. You remember William wouldn't say shit if you had a mouthful. Daylight and dark. And, and I, I'll go ahead and apologize to your listeners. Cause I know I've got a Kentucky accent. I'm a redneck hillbilly. And uh, I'm sure they don't talk like that on the West Coast, but I apologize. Well, you'll like this. We're in 84 countries, and I do not know how many states we're covered in because Mm -hmm. information doesn't give me that. And and I haven't figured out how to read most of the information anyways. Mm -hmm. So a large listener base of our people for ATV Talk is back east. So you're covered. I think good, good, good. <laughs> nothing like uh, nothing like that Southern Kentucky accent. Uh, I love it. I love it. You know, <laughs> we've got to spend some time back back east, uh, playing mostly working, but playing a little bit. So for us, it's it's no big deal. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, my wife is from Guadalajara, and her first language is Spanish. Oh yeah. So. It's an adjustment for her too, then. Oh, massively. And you know, when, when we go to family outings and everybody speaking Spanish, I, I get to pick and choose the words I catch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you've ever been around even even you go back to Kentucky and when you guys get you get to going, if you're not up to speed with, with how you talk, you're losing it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And and there's a big difference. Uh, of course I, I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky now, and uh, my folks live about an hour from here called a little, little place called Tompkinsville. And I have people in Bowling Green talking about my accent and I'm just, I grew up an hour from here. <laughs> uh, we stress our eyes, I guess, in Monroe County. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. Hey, let, let's get back to ATVs because we could talk about the, the accents <laughs> and the other stuff all day long. And I love it, but I don't think all of the listeners want to hear about that. They want to hear about sure. some of the good stories. Yeah. So you and your two brothers are racing. How competitive did it get between you guys? Oh, uh, <laughs> It's you not, know, no fist fights, but you know, no, when we squared off a time or two when we got back home because we were all tired and grumpy, but you know, we'd never come to blows. Um, usually because I'll just be honest, usually because I was acting stupid, uh, maybe the night before the race and and, and maybe got out and had a few drinks or something. Uh, that always made Brad mad at me, he'd always get aggravated. But uh, we were in Yorksville, Ohio. Me and some of the buddies, some of the guys from class and stuff, we went out to a bar the night before. Got, you got something to eat, went out to the bar. And we just go have two drinks and go home, you know, or go back to the rooms, what we planned on doing. So it, next thing I know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, we're going wide open. And we were supposed to leave to go to the track at, like, 7 o'clock. So I go rolling back into the room. Because Brad's there, he's mad, and uh, it rained all night. It's muddy, nasty. I was thinking they might cancel it, but they didn't. And that was the best race I ever ran. I was sixth overall, and he was—I think he ended up fifth. And it, he just beat me by a few seconds. And of course, if I could have beat him, I would have never let him live it down. <laughs> So I picked at him on the way back too. And he drove all the way home and I slept, but um, he's pretty ill with me over it, but he got over it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's probably one of your most memorable races. It was, um, but it, you know, it, like you said, it goes beyond that. We, we would ride on the weekends and, and it, between Brad and myself and Kevin, one of us would, take off the other two would jump in behind them and we would ride eight, 10, 12 miles and see who could pass who, you know, we, we had a, probably some of the best territory to go riding had uh, um, just different places to go, you know, and each one of us would take turns and then we'd stop, make sure, you know, everybody's good, but we've just, try to pass each other, you know, that's the way it was. It's always was. Um, just, I don't, I don't know. It, it was, it was some great times and we just, we had fun with the only thing we was worried about, you know, obviously we didn't want anybody to get hurt, but we were pushing each other, you know, to, to try to get faster and to try to, um, little shortcuts, you know, try to figure out some way to pass the other one, you know, some good times. What did what did Kevin ride? Kevin could ride a stick horse, and and <laughs> it didn't matter. He could ride it. 
he he started out on a Takati, uh, a two fifty Takati, two stroke, those old school, and then uh, he had a three hundred EX, I believe, at one time, and then he had a, a four hundred EX, but he had a four hundred EX. It looked like it was put together with zip ties, plastic hanging off of Kevin. Kevin could care less if the sun come up sometimes, but he would give you the shirt off of his back. That's just kind of person he is. Um, he's the middle child. I guess. That might explain some things, but uh, <laughs> between you and between you and Brad, no, no, uh, well, I the five boys. Kevin's the the third one. Okay, so he, he's in between. I'm the youngest, but Brad's the baby. So I'll just go ahead and throw that out there for everybody. Brad was the baby, but I'm the youngest. <laughs> so I'll go on record and I will just clear the air. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk to Brad. <laughs> There's no telling. I wish you'd done his interview first so I could clean up anything that he said, but <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's what it is. It's all <laughs> no, no harm, no foul. You're making me laugh. That's all that matters, brother. That's all that matters. And hey, anybody that knows, I don't know. How many times did you come out west? We came out there. I came out there with Brad and uh, Jared Huffman, Chad Duvall, and uh, what is his name? Uh, Johnson, Larry Johnson, and we ran a 24-hour race. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to say it's 24 hours of LaFud. Does that yep. sound correct? Yep, 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 yep. Yep. And about uh, Jay Goble was there. Uh, he was part of that. We were part of that team. But uh, about 30 miles into my loop, I wiped out. Of course, I think we all wiped out. But I broke my wrist and uh, sat out there for, Two days, didn't have a Tylenol, didn't have nothing except beer and water. <laughs> so uh, they finished the race. Uh, Brad, uh, Chad, Jared Huffman, uh, and Larry Johnson. And we won our class, our division, whatever. I think Doug Eichner, his, his team won overall, but – for our class or whatever, I'm, I want to say we run 920-something miles in that 24 hours. And we had – I'm not 100% sure, but I was told we had set some kind of record. I say we, but I, I, I my 30 miles counted something there, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, set some kind of record there where we run so many miles on a four-stroke in 24 hours. If, if – if I'm thinking right, I, I may be wrong, but it's been a few years and a few drinks between there. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> getting old, losing my memory, all that, that good stuff. That, that's okay. I was probably there. We came to uh, your shop there with Lauren uh, and met with Doug Rowe and uh, some other guys. We flew into San Diego and we it seemed like we drove south and drove through these i call them big mountains of boulders and we finally come out in the the desert and everything looked the same you know all the sand <laughs> they said we were close to tijuana so but well, we had a good we're, time 
when you were at the shop, you were closer to TJ than you are where we raced. Really? Wow. Yeah. You're real close to the border. Um, I mean, you you could almost probably have driven three quarters of a mile and found the border fence. Really? Yeah. Some young kid from Kentucky that had no clue what anything looked like. I, I had never been to California till that day. And you didn't well, actually, I'd never been out west any. I probably hadn't been to the Mississippi River as far as I've been, you know. So well, it not, was an eye-open experience. There's not a whole lot to see out here. People, buildings. Yeah. Well, you can see some odd things out here too, but <laughs> it's a little different. I think we're all probably the, the same, just a little grew up a little different, I guess. Oh, totally, totally. California's changed a lot since I was since we were young. I mean, where we where we live in 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 the area where our shop is mm-hmm. was was what we would call rural. Okay, mm-hmm. not what you guys call call rural, but what we call rural. Yeah. Um, you know, there was still houses. They were there was an active field across the street from my parents' house. Um, up until 2000 something, uh, you know, where they were growing, uh, alfalfa for, to feed. And, um, right. you know, that, that, that's pretty crazy. If you look at the street now and the field's all full of houses and, and there's no more, uh, there's no yeah. more active farms that, that are real close. All the stuff uh, has filled in with homes, you know, mm-hmm. they move the businesses into more of the agricultural area. Um, the livestock area, there's still some, but nothing right. used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Kentucky and, and especially in the area that we live in, it's growing and there's, uh, there's like in the Bowling Green, the area that I live in, it's, it's really growing. There's a lot of industry. Um, like you said, there, you know, a lot of houses going up and stuff, but as far as, some of the remote rural areas in Kentucky, it's just the hills and the hollers. And a lot of these people, the only time they come out of them hills and hollers is when they're going to the grocery store or, you know, something that that, that they have to do, you know, um, I'm not going to say that we're, we're behind or anything. Cause I don't want, you know, paint a bad image of Kentucky cause there's a lot of great people here, but um, I think they're just, a little different, a, I guess. <laughs> simpler life, right? There's some, but they're, they're good people, you know. Well, it matters. Good without a doubt. Well, and, you guys build Corvettes too, right? Absolutely. Just right down the road here. I tell my wife all the time, I get my kids through college. That That's the next thing that's going to take me and go fast. You mean, you mean not everybody in Bowling Green owns a Corvette? No, no, uh, they don't give them away. I, you know, I thought they might, but they don't. They don't give them away. They're, they're pretty proud of them, to be honest with you. But my nephew works there, so uh, I told him uh, when he first started, I said, "You got to be like Johnny Cash. You got to bring me a part every day so I can build one." You know, I was just thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> have one hell of a big lunchbox, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's so awesome. That's so cool. We used to we used to hang out with the Duggins, and you would leave Nashville and go right through Bowling Green, Kentucky, heading mm-hmm. to Nationals. Yeah. yeah, you know, back at uh, I don't know how many years ago it's been, but in the the Corvette Museum 
right there close to the plant. They had a, it was built on top of a sinkhole and part of the museum caved in and they've got an exhibit now where those Corvettes that they had in on on display there, they're down in that sinkhole and that's the exhibit now. They built around it and it's pretty cool because uh, you got these high dollar Corvettes that are very rare that they're sitting down in a big sinkhole. Did it damage them? Yeah, yeah, they, they left them down there and they're that's part of the actual display now. They've got it where you can go in and look at them and where they had the sinkhole. You know, it's pretty oh, cool. Thousands of dollars of junk. Oh, yes. Yes. Some high dollar pieces, like some of the rare, you know, certain ones with certain engines and stuff, you know. I'm not a huge, I'm I'm not a huge car guy. I like a couple of models, um, you know. I'm a Ford person anyhow myself. But Same here. Same <laughs> and they're they make those in Louisville, so that's another Kentucky thing. So. Well, there you go. That, that makes it easier. I okay, since you're a Ford guy and you ever they give those away, you need to send one my way. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll put UPS. it in the mail. UPS, <laughs> you know, man. there you go. That's every day. Yeah. I, I need more than a part every day though. Oh yeah. One that runs with rolls, you know, yeah, functional, you know. Try to get a rolling chassis going or something. Yeah, I need it. I need it sooner than later. I got, <laughs> I got an F-150 with about 215,000 miles on it that that uh, the motor's trying to tell me, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Just getting broke in. <laughs> I had done more than broke her in. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of trips to Cabo and La Paz, all yeah. over the western United States, mm-hmm. you know, just chasing races and uh it, uh, I love my 150. Uh, that's all I've had since I was, well, since 98. That's, that's the only thing I've owned since 1998, the F-150. Yeah, I own uh, an F-350, an F-250, a couple F-350s, a couple F-250s. And then I got this 150 in, in 2010, and uh, best truck I've ever owned. Yeah. Just, just, I'm not saying anything bad about the Chevys. You know, right. my brother's a Chevy lover, but uh, I'm I'm just not. I'm just I just buy Ford. We know how brothers are, you know. <laughs> Love to hate them, you know. Yeah. You can say anything you want about my brother, just don't say it in front of me. Each each family can only have one perfect child, you know. Just coincidence, and you and I are those two, I guess. So. There Our brothers go. didn't get that. You know, yeah, I got all the looks and all the brains. <laughs> yeah. And if, you believe, if you believe that, yeah. <laughs> I might be able to sell you some oceanfront property in Arizona. Yeah. So that's awesome. I should probably stop with the brother jokes, you know, and all yeah, all jokes aside, I love my brothers. Um I like picking at them just as they like picking at me. So uh, oh, same way. I want to. I want to no tease Lauren every day, but uh, he still a is my boss and b is my older brother, and yeah, it it it, uh, it it makes for a good joke every once in a while. But, but oh, yeah. all fairness, when you break when you break down my career, and and if you ask me about the successes I've had, I can't 
document them without telling you I did it with one man's engines. I didn't mm-hmm. do it with multiple guys. Uh, I did it all with the one engine builder, and that's my brother. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, when when Brad and I first started, we, you know, we, I, I started out on a banshee at one time. You know, that that was the first bike I went out and purchased on my own. And of course, you know, the, the banshee's fun to ride, but it's not a. In, in my opinion, it wasn't the, the best handling bike. Two fifty R was better in my in my opinion, but. At that time, you know, I just got out of high school. Brad had been out for a year or two. He'd been working, you know, saved his money. He was going, he was building a 250R from the ground up. Each weekend, him and I would take a trip down to uh, um, Rocky Ridge Racing at the time. That's been years ago. Uh, Clayton, I can't think of his last name, but Clayton was the guy that owned it. We would buy we would buy parts each week until we had that 250R fixed, and that was the first bike that Brad raced. And of course, I had that Banshee, and you know, once he got it put together, and we started riding. Next thing, we were going to a race, and we started out at Fordsville, Kentucky, at a Mid South race. It was in the dead of winter. It was cold. It was rainy. It was nasty, and once we went, we were hooked and it escalated and escalated. And, um, how long did it take you to get off that banshee? I think I had one, I raced that about two or three times at the G at the, um, mid South. And I went to a 250 R and started racing it at the GNCCs. I went to Macon, Georgia. Um, that was the first GNCC that I raced and I run the beginner class and I won it. Uh, so I decided then that I was going to try to stick with the Honda or the 250R and I raced it the whole season. Then the next year, that's when I ended up going back to a Banshee because I found one at the time. I thought it was a good idea. Gary White had a, a Duncan racing Banshee and I, I said, always, saw him at the uh, Mid-South races and I always looked up to him because he was a banshee guy and he could win. He was fast. So I thought that's what I want to do, you know, because I, you know, I didn't want everybody to think that I was, you know, falling in the footsteps of of Brad because Brad rode the 250R and, you know, he was fast on it. There's no lie about that. But I thought, well, I'm going to be different. I'm going to ride the banshee and I'm going to show people that I can be fast on it. You know, when it, I did all right a few times, but uh, it seemed like I kept it tore up more. You know, I didn't have the same setup. Uh, and obviously, I didn't have a, a good as bike as what Gary White had. Uh, I didn't have the Duncan motor, didn't have the the rollway arms. And it was basically a bone stock Banshee with a big tank on it and some tires and wheels, basically. And it's hard to go race something like that. <laughs> Some days, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's not only hard to go race something like that. It's hard to go race a Banshee, period, anywhere. Yes, yes. But they're fun to ride, and I love listening to them. If you got like a, a two-into-one Motofast or, or one of the, the Paul Turners on it, 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 it just sounds good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. I I get it. I mean, I build them. <laughs> it, it was a mind game. It made me feel like I was going fast, but I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard Gary White's name in a long time either. Yeah, I, I still keep up with Gary on Facebook. He's racing uh, cars now, drag cars. Like, uh, I'm on his either a Toyota Celica or a Supra, maybe. But it, he's uh, doing well, doing real well. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, because he, he came out and raced the Baja race and burned a 400EX to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, uh, Doug Hayes was with him and somebody, uh, Rick Stanley. Uh, a lot of those guys from uh, out on this end, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama. Uh, a lot of those ran the Mid-South races and we would see them there. And then that's some of the GNCCs too. Uh, it was some good times. So did you guys go back and run more of the Mid-South or did you guys just started only doing the GNC? No, it started out uh, on the Mid-South. You know, that was kind of our thing because it was close, closer, I guess, and uh, wasn't as, as expensive. You know, you could go to a Mid-South race. Usually you could leave on a Sunday morning and be back Sunday night sometime. Um, you know, four or five hour at the most one way. Usually a couple hours could get you there. But there was on numerous occasions, especially if I didn't do good at a GNCC on Saturday, we got home at midnight. I would wash, take shower, sleep for a few hours, get up, take my bike, clean it up, change all, do a few things, tighten up some bolts and head to the Mid-South race because I was either aggravated or frustrated because I didn't do good at the GNCC and I would go to the Mid-South race the next day and overall or, you know, do good for the most time. You know, there's a few times I didn't do good, but most most of the time when I, I would go, I would have good luck, I guess. And Brad didn't go with you most of the time? No. Absolutely. No, he, he would, uh, I would say something about going. He's like, why are you going to Mid-South? We just got back from GNCC. That's stupid. You know, <laughs> but I, you know, I was young and single and, you know, who cares? I'm going to go race, you know, exactly. I had a good time. I just get in my truck. I get my F-150. I didn't, the first one I had, you know, and take off and, I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed it. You know, uh, uh, there was an old guy that uh, he's dead now. His name was James Knoll. He had a, he rode a banshee some, a uh, great big tall guy with white hair. And he lived here close to us. And he was like a grandpa to us. And he had a big Wolverine and he would go to the Mid-South races. He just, he loved ATVs, love four-wheelers, you know, and he would build them and do all this stuff. But uh, he would always go to those races on Sunday, too. And, and when I come pulling up, he, he'd say, there's one of them damn page boys. He said, he's going to win today, you know. <laughs> uh, I just never will forget that. And, I, you know, I'll always like James. He was a good guy. That's awesome. So you had more success at, at the Mid-South races, or you just liked them better? No, I just, 
I didn't go to them. I didn't like run the whole series or anything. I just, like I said, I, I guess I was like on the days, if I had a bad race on Saturday, I just had in my mind, I needed to go at least get some track time or maybe get the extra practice or something. Cause I was not satisfied with what I've done maybe on that Saturday. So kind of get a little redemption, I guess, to go Sunday and it, it I could go run the pro class and, and overall and might make a couple hundred bucks too. And it, it would be what I spent that weekend, maybe recoup some of my money. So <laughs> hey, that, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> Working two jobs. And, and I mean, it was expensive, even, you know, if you didn't have to take your family or whatever, but um, my mom, she would go like, if we were at, uh, you know, she would go to almost every single GNCC with us. If it was, if she was able to go, she went, I guess I could, I should say, because there's a lot of times her and I, you know, Brad and, you know, some of the other guys would take off Friday morning because they would be pulling a trailer and uh, had all the bikes loaded up and they would go on walk the track and stuff. Well, I had to work on Friday and Friday night, you know, I may work till 10 o'clock on Friday night. I'd drive an hour down the road, meet my mom. I'd let her drive for a couple hours so I could sleep. And then I'd jump over and take off and drive the rest of the way. And we got to the track. I was ready to race, you know, um, going on two or three hours of sleep. We would drive from Kentucky to up in Pennsylvania somewhere, and, you know, seven, eight hours, and it's race time. It's time to go. <laughs> we put a lot of miles. <laughs> but putting your, putting your clothes on as you're jumping out of the car and running. Yes. yes. Now, that was easy when you were young, but once you got a little older, it got tougher. But, oh, but isn't it so sweet to go to the starting line nowadays? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That 10 seconds, I hear him call that 10 seconds. I, I, it gives me cold chills every time I hear it. Uh, I, like it. I think, I think missing the, the pointing down the line and, you know, there was a starter at work named Homer mm -hmm. and he had just, he did it the same way every time. And mm -hmm. he had a little, he had a little tell the flag was coming and once you learn that tell, um, you were on and, and, and the race was on and he would actually, his finger would move when, when <laughs> he held that flag and his finger dropped the flag. He was throwing it. Right. It yeah. Like it was like a second delay or less, but you see yeah. that finger move, you dropped the hammer cause it was coming. Yeah. You just, I took it personal. I, I, I took pride in getting the whole shot. Because I felt like if I break and, and don't finish the race or something, by golly, at least I'm going to look good on the whole shot. I'm going to get the whole shot. I'm going to be the first one to that corner to make that turn. Yep. And I'm going to keep it pinned until I do. So <laughs> if the motor can do it, I was wanting to, it was going to go. So. And if you're in my way, look out because it's going to yep. get a hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys raced all the GNC stuff with no nerf bars and no heel guards, correct? No, no. Um, now the nerf, nerf bars, I never was the big, uh, I never was big, you know, 
fan of those. I mean, I'm not knocking them, but they just, I don't, they felt like they got in my way more to me. Well, on a bike, I get it because you guys are tree roots, trees, mud. And you never know when you're going to have to jump off the bike and pick it up and get it around a tree or get it out of a mud hole or whatever. Um, and you didn't want any extra weight because after two hours of hammered down, just grueling, hard racing, if you get stuck in a mud hole and you've got an extra 30 or 40 pounds of mud caked on that bike, it's all you can do to get it out. You know, It's going to zap you. Uh, you don't want anything extra, that's for sure. What is the big allure to race in the mud? Skill. I, I always loved it because I, you know, when I, especially once I started on a four stroke muddy race, that's where you see the guys that, that don't make what I call goobers. Uh, any, I ain't going to say anybody, but it, it takes somebody to, to be able to, to keep that back from, like on your off camera, keep it from sliding into uh, some trees and, and getting hung up. You, you got to balance it out. You know, it, it's kind of hard for me to say, I guess, but it, I felt like I, I always done better on the muddy races because I, I just feel like it took a little bit more skill. That's just my opinion. You know, and I'm, some people may tell you different, but that's just, that's just my opinion. I, I've always looked at it as racing in the mud was a waste of time. It trashes your bike, that's for sure. Yeah, that because I mean I'm just thinking of the dollar signs. You know, yeah. I have to take it back home and rebuild it. I just finished it. Now I gotta yeah. do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> but, You're not gonna give me like three races. I yeah. gotta I gotta do it again. So if I were if I were a guy running a race team in the woods. I'd build four bikes. I'd say, I can't do this unless we have four bikes. Yeah, it's about, you know, it's hard to do it on less than two. I know that. Yeah, because I'm going to have one racing, one ready, one I'm finishing, and one I'm starting over on because you yeah. destroyed it in the mud. Yeah, and that's not even counting a practice bike. <laughs> oh, yeah, I ain't going to work on that. You got to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm too busy. I'm too busy working on all the race stuff. I, I can't do practice bikes. Mm -hmm. um, at least I try to stay away from them. You know, sometimes you have to freshen them up because they destroy them so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that the bike that we had at the desert was destroyed pretty bad, too. Uh, one we had out there at LaFud. Well, that, that terrain... And then 24 hours, th th that just ate its life. Yeah. You know, that's like racing the Baja 1000. Dude. It, just, mm -hmm. it just eats its life right there. You know, if you go race the Baja 500, you know, you're six, eight-ish hours into the race, maybe maybe 10. You know, you pick 10 hard hours on that. That's 500 miles. Oh, yeah. Do the 1,000, that's 20-some hours. Did you just, just – eat? The, the damage done to the chassis and the motor, people just don't get it. Right. I know there's people that try to race back-to-back -back thousands on the same bike, and what are you thinking? It was wore out after that race. Well, you got to replace everything. You know? Well, you need to got to go through the motor and make sure the crank's good, probably put a new crank in there because you ran through the dirt or you ran dirt in it. You know, you the oil broke down, you know, three hours or four hours into the race, so – 
come on guys, <laughs> you know, you don't, don't right. give me an impossible task. At least give me a, at least let me put a couple bullets in the gun to fire, you know, <laughs> Kevin and I went out to, uh, somewhere in North Carolina, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and ran a six-hour buddy race one time on a uh, – you could take two bikes. And his broke down – I think he run for like an hour and a half, and I run the four and a half. And we won, but we it was some good times there. But I think Brad and uh, Chris Boards were riding together. And William and somebody else. I don't know who William was riding with, but uh, it was it was something that wasn't in the GNCCs, but it was cross country race, and it wasn't for points, but it was just like a six hour race on the off weekends or whatever. Uh, no pressure, but we went out and we had a good time. I don't know what made me think of that, but I guess about the bikes. But and you and you and your brother won. Yes, yes, and I think Brad and Chris Boards won their class or whatever, but Kevin and I won, um, I guess it was the four stroke class or maybe the pro-am. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what, what they called it at that time, but, uh, Kevin was pretty fast. He's a little bit older, but, uh, he was always fast. He didn't have the best equipment, but he could ride good. He still can. He's still, he's still riding today and he's, Pushing fifty year old, I guess. He's pushing fifty. I think he's forty nine. So I'm forty five. So Kevin's forty nine. Yeah. I got you by ten years. Yeah. Wow. You're young. Well, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. My forty five may have been tougher than your fifty five. I don't know about that, brother. <laughs> No, you know my brother is just a number, just a number. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm probably when I was 49, um, I was training for a, an obstacle course race, you know, 49, 50. I was probably in the best shape of my life. Really? Hands down. Uh, because I was running mountain biking, circuit training, uh, training. You're doing the, the, uh, like the, um, well, they call that uh, the training where you do. Uh, I seen you. I seen a video. You moving these tires and stuff. Like you go through this little obstacle course and stuff. Uh, yeah, I was. I've done. Uh, it, that's just part of our normal training with the guy that I go train with. We do all kinds of weird stuff, and yeah. it, it's not CrossFit. It's just normal body training. You know, where we do yeah. a lot of. We do a we do some weight stuff, but we do a lot of just body weight training. And I hate body weight training. You know, give me the give me the fifty pound ball, give me the hundred pound ball. Tell me how far you want me to carry it, and no problem. But when I got to hold my own fat ass up, that's it's <laughs> a lot of work. You know, yeah. I get this carcass up every day and carry it across the room. I don't want to. I don't want to train with it. It's a chore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 My my workout consists of a, a, a brown truck and cardboard boxes. <laughs> That's uh I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm in bad shape, but I'm not in the, the best shape. But it, it keeps me in, in in pretty good shape, you know. How long have you been there? August will be 26 years. I started out working part-time on the dock and uh, had 
four or five, uh, five or six years part-time. And then I went full-time and, um, been there ever since, you know, don't they kick you out of there at 30? Uh, they, they get, they'll let you go to 35. Well, I mean, actually let you go as long as you want, but, uh, most people are looking for a reason to leave. So, um, once I get my kids through college and I get my 30 in, I'll be going too. <laughs> nice. Okay. So how long into your race career was it before you started a family? Actually, right as I was the, the last year that I was racing, it, it was funny. It really wasn't funny, but I mean, it just worked out that way. Cause I, I was getting ready to go out there with Brad and get another bike uh, from you guys from Duncan and I got married, I bought a house, and I found out my wife was pregnant all within about three or four months there. And I had some tough decisions to make, and I didn't think that I could continue to race and put forth the effort that I needed to put forth and it be fair to all the sponsors without – and so I, I decided that I needed to take a break and I, I stayed out for about a year. And when my daughter was born, then we got kind of situated there. Then I started racing a little bit more. That's when the, the, the Honda 450R came out and I was like, I've got to have one of these. And my wife, she's like, are you going to race again? I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. You know, I'm not going to do that. Well, I think I had it two days and I, I ordered some shocks and then a tank and uh, handlebars and yada, yada. And then next thing I know, we're going racing. <laughs> uh, so that went over like a lead balloon, right? No, no actually, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my wife has always been supportive. Uh, it, it, I mean, obviously it, it worried her and scared her, but uh, you know, I couldn't ask for anybody better. You know, she has done, even just to put up on me, she's done, she's done a lot, but, uh, she, she is always supportive. She knew that that's what I was whenever we got married and I'd probably still be doing it today if I had the time, but uh, I don't have the time I'm working, you know, 55 hours a week and uh, with two kids that, you know, the, the, all my extra time, that that's what it goes to now. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, did your 18 year old grad graduate high school? Yes, she just graduated and she's, um, she got a scholarship. She'll be attending Western Kentucky University, which is right here in Bowling Green. So she's actually going to still live at home. Um, then my youngest one, she just got her driver's license. Um, we've got her a car and uh, she's loving life right now. Um, she can hear me. She's in the back room there. She can hear me on this interview, but uh, I'm kind of worried about her driving skills a little bit. She's not afraid of very much. She got a little bit of a daddy in her. The Lord has blessed me with two great kids. I don't know what I've done to deserve it, but I am extremely grateful for it. You know, I, I couldn't ask for anything better. I promise you that. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. They're, they're good kids. And, and how did it go your first ride out on the 450R? 
It was an adjustment, especially coming from the 400, because, you know, the, the setup that I had on the, the, the 400EX, of course, with a roll front end, uh, I think the, the axis shocks and stuff. When I got on the 450, I loved the way it handled, except for the turning. Uh, it, it didn't seem like it would, the front end would want to push with you a little bit. When I first, that was like the first ones that came on. And then uh, other than that, you know, I felt like it was great bike. You know, it, it handled good, but my only issue was the turning. Basically, I, I think it, the, the steering stem maybe there's a, a stopper down at the bottom. I think that, that they redesigned that on the late, the next year model or whatever, where it would cut a little bit sharper, um, or maybe it was something to do with the. I think it had it. The one that I had had stock A arms on it. They may have fixed that with some aftermarket A arms and stuff. But at the time, they hadn't came out with any. So, well, they fixed the they fixed the rear shock issue. Well, Elka did by putting a long travel link on there, and it's yeah. not bad on the 06 ups. But those 0405s, man, they wanted to kick you over the front of the bars. Yeah. Well, after um, after a few years. Um, of course, I, I rode that one for a while and stuff, but I'm trying to think how many, how long it was ago. I had a 450R and I, I fixed it all up, had a roll front end, um, Elka shocks, the Elka linkage in the back, um, roll swing arm, got it all up. And I went to a Mid-South race and that's when Bill was still racing, Bill Balance, because Bill... One, his brother-in-law, uh, was it Taylor Kaiser? Is that his name? Yeah. His brother-in-law got second, and then I got third. And I came home that next weekend and priced it to a guy and bought me a boat. <laughs> wow. So, thought it would be a good one to, to go out on. I, I got beat by two pros, and I hadn't been racing in probably four or five years prior. So I felt like I'd done pretty good. So. Well, that's that's one way to go out. Yeah. You know, that, that that's pretty cool because both of those guys, well, obviously Bill Balance, who does who doesn't yeah. know him, but yeah. uh, Kaiser was no slouch either. No, he's fast, very fast. Did um, he quit racing as well? You know, I'm not I'm not for sure. I, I know he married Bill's younger sister, and I used to see him out there when I was working. I would deliver it to Bill's shop and talk to him, and. Uh, I'm not for sure if they still live here or maybe he moved back to wherever he was from before that, but a uh, really nice guy and nothing but good things to say about him at all. You know, they were, uh, they were always good to me. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, I did a little bit of talking with Bill in, in the background years ago, like 2011 and, mm. and haven't, haven't been able to track him down here in the last year since I started doing ATV talk, but yeah. I'm sure that someone's going to come across him and he's going to figure out that I'm looking for him, you know, because I know he's got a pretty cool story to tell. Well, I, I can't promise you, but I, I work with his brother-in-law. I will relay the message. <laughs> so um, Bill will claim that he's a busy man, but anytime I see him, he's either fishing or hunting or playing golf or, you know, he will claim that he's a busy man though. 
So, but that's okay. He might be just be busy. Yeah. He might be busy doing fun things, I guess. Or busy pondering his thoughts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, he, uh, my, my wife. They, they do have a big farm right out, outside here. And I think he, he does do a lot of work there. You know? That's what I heard that he was farming. Mm-hmm. Got a really big farm out there. And that's that's a full-time job and plus, isn't it? Absolutely. What does it get harsh weathers back harsh winters where you guys are? No, no, not bad. We may have uh one or two snows, uh nothing major. You know, it's uh we're pretty mild here, you know. Maybe average temperature, you know, it'll get down, you know, it, it'll get twenties or Something, but most of the time, you know, it's it's average weather. It's not, you know, 30s, 40s, something like that. You know, you've got to figure where I live from, dude. Average weather to me is, you know, I'm still wearing shorts and t-shirts. Oh, and, oh hell no. Yeah, we're no, we we have winter, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, we I think this year we had a couple of snows, maybe four or five inches or something. You know, mm-hmm. once or twice a winter, we'll have a decent snow or something like that. But Brother, if I go to work and it's below 40, I sit in the office until it's like 50. <laughs> it's too damn cold. You can't do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. That would be a nice luxury to have, you know. <laughs> Dude, maybe yeah. maybe the Kentucky people are a little bit tougher than the California people. What do you think? Yeah, hands down. Not going to argue that at all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll take my loss. No problem. You get a little jealous. I'm jealous, to be honest with you. If if I can talk my kids in it when when they graduate college, go somewhere where it's warm because I'll be ready for retirement. That's where I'm going. Where are you going? Florida? I hope so. Well, you better buy your house now. Oh, yeah. I was just talking to Thomas Brown, and he said they're struggling. They moved. They just moved down there. He's going to go to school to become a fireman. And he says, yeah, we're looking for a house. And he says, there are none. Oh, that, that's the way it is here. It's selling faster than they can build them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, – especially in the Bowling Green area here where I'm at, that's the way it is. You know, it's a it's a seller's market. You know, you can't uh, – it's hard to find any builders that, that have access to the materials to, to build a house right now. And a lot of these factories, like actually the GM and – um, some of these other factories are moving people in left and right uh, to work in their factories. And it's just populated. And of course, uh, Bowling Green is a, a refugee city and they're getting a lot of uh, immigrants in here, uh, but it's growing just leaps and bounds. That's got to be a crazy accent, right? Yeah, it, it must be part of that. Kentucky in me, but I, the less people, the better off I am. I, I, I don't like big crowds. That's just I me. What I'm saying is, yeah. is, if they have an Arabic accent and then try and then talk, yeah, I, I, accent on top of that, whole oh boy, I do good to understand English. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah. Oh man, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> Robin, I want to thank you so much for coming on ATV Talk. I, I know that, that, that we've been playing with this idea for a, quite a while, and I really appreciate you taking the time with us. Um, 
congratulations on your daughter graduating and also her endeavor into college. Um, I know that that is a big step for any child. Um, and the baby girl is probably just going to run you ragged. I would think so, but I, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, it, it, it was been, it's been great catching up with you. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been, it's brought back some great memories and I've been sitting here the whole time and I've been thinking about some of the guys that we hung out together and uh, some of my, uh, I, I consider them some of my best friends. I may not talk to them and like, you, you know, eight, 10, 12 years, whatever, but, uh, I, 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 I will always consider them friends, you know? That's awesome. It's uh, brought back some good memories. And I know you like to beat up on your brother a little bit, but that's okay. He, Brotherly oh, love. Exactly. We all like to beat up on our brothers. So um, I, I, I'll let anybody in the world say anything you want about me. Hmm. Not so much, you know, about him. You know? I, I agree. I agree. Just because I'm cussing him. Doesn't mean you get to, you know. right? That, yeah, I've, I'm allowed to do it, but right, they're not <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna as I do with just about everybody I talk to, um, I'm gonna uh, give you an invitation to come back to ATV Talk with me. Probably get together with the chat group um, and bring you in with a couple other people that we can tell some stories and uh, maybe take a little pressure off you, so you don't have to be the one thinking up all the stories. <laughs> Uh, that sounds great to me. Absolutely. Excellent. I really appreciate that. We're going to, we're going to get that lined out for you and uh, I'll be back in touch. The team here at ATV talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATV talk podcast.com. Brought to you by take two custom tees, screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.